Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bottled. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may have known it's been a while since I've released a new episode. And the reason for that is I've relocated to Canberra, which is about two and a half hours away from Sydney, for work and study purposes. Now, the move has been especially challenging and it's been hard to set up a new studio uh, because I've got to find a place and... um, just meet new people and start recording but it's finally happened um i found a place an incredible place with a lovely housemate and um the first episode in canberra is here now you'll notice uh there is a change in studio of course because it's a new house it's a new place and um i've sort of been trying to work out um what the best method to record it in terms of uh, the audio quality and the um, lighting and video is as well if you're watching it on youtube but i've tried my best um but i do apologize for it but for the first 20 minutes you will listen or you, you will hear some disturbance um because of the table on which the microphone was being kept on it was very sensitive to sound if that makes sense and um <laughs> Um, around the 24 minute mark you will see a brief pause that's when the recording stopped Um, but as soon as that happened we identified it so we lost about 20 seconds and uh, resumed the recording again but anyways uh, apart from all these technicalities and what's been happening um, thank you for stinking around and listening to bottled the 18th episode today is with tom doyle he is, um, I'd say, one of my first friends in Canberra. Um, he is high on communication. So in this episode, we talk about mostly communications, introvertedness versus extrovertedness. Then we move on to topics such as exercising, running, because Tom's a runner as well, and the benefits of it. And then we dive into discussions about working from home versus the office and many other things. So I hope you enjoy the first episode in Canberra, episode number 18, Tom Doyle. That's bottled for you. Thank you. Please enjoy. You know, it sounds like um, you know that's a lot of places to be in. It's become so much easier now. Yeah. Um, there. All you have to do is like it's as simple as uploading it to that channel. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. And um, it, it's become so much easier now. Yeah. Um, I was looking at this um, trend, um, like Google. You know, sometimes they have these. Um, like random people sharing uh, trends of uh, what people search for along the years yeah. or what people have done on Google along the years. And mm. um, in the past three or four years, you can see a massive trend of people trying to learn how to upload pictures or how to yeah. edit, uh, edit videos. And uh, you have these apps like TikTok, YouTube clips, short clips, inter- Instagram reels, yeah. which I don't even use. And... Um, People have started creating so many things. Like everyone's videos. a content creator nowadays. Yeah, exactly. So Except the good thing about it is that I actually get paid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's that's like not everyone uh, gets paid to do it. That's the ideal situation to be in, mm. right? Um, something you love. Yeah, I'm lucky. And getting paid to do as well. But obviously, I'm doing it for an organisation, a public service organisation. So it's a yeah. bit different. Like I'm not 
selling myself or I'm yeah. not involved in the content. Yeah. Sometimes I am, like I might be talent for a particular shoot, but... But you get a feel of what it's like to be a content creator. Yeah, and I'm not the brand. Like I'm not selling myself, I'm selling... Yeah. The uh, ACTPS and like the services they provide for the community. So. Yeah. That's good, man. Mm. I mean, a lot of people, you know... Um, even though they have the talent, they can't. They never work in a, an area of their expertise or their interest. Yeah, and for which you, I'm really lucky to do. Exactly, and you're like 22. And for you to be oh, working... I'm a bit older than that. 23. Yeah. Uh, 25. <laughs> <laughs> and for you to be Don't working... Don't you remember the 24th, mate? Exactly. The, the biggest bash in, yeah. in Canberra. Yeah. Um, Hosted by... Um, Ed Meister. Ed Meister. There you go. You got your mention, mate. This is a shout out to Ed. And that's it. And we're only two minutes in. <laughs> One two shout out. Two or three minutes in. <laughs> uh, one shout out and it's done. Eddie's that's it, Eddie's Maybe yeah. uh, one or two more times, but yeah, we'll see how we go. But Tom, welcome to Bottle. Oh, cheers. Clink. Did that clink come up on the microphone? I hope so. Oh, it did. There you go. That sharp <laughs> turn there. There we go. Mm-hmm. We're drinking... Um, it's called Open Top, yeah. and it's from the Netherlands. The Netherlands. That was a pretty good Nether- uh, Netherlands accent. Uh-huh. Have you been there? Um, twice. Really? Yeah. Contiki tour? Um, Contiki and then Top Deck. What's that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> making nah. things up. A minute, a minute into the podcast and you're making no, things up. <laughs> no, three minutes. Uh-huh. Nah, um, Top Deck's like pretty much the same as Contiki. Mm-hmm. So just like a lot of young people um, on a tour bus yeah, and they just want to have sex every two hours of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> no, is it true though? Yeah, it was like a sex fest. Um, it's like a well, I didn't get typical action, Europe trip. Yeah. yeah. What's special about Contiki? Is it just the um, – is it more affordable or um, – Well, yeah, I suppose so. But it's like I think it's more for the experience. So you go with people who are like the same sort of age as you mm-hmm. and then um, depending on where you're travelling to, you'll jump on a bus and then you'll yeah. go to like – excuse me. Um, can you cut that one out? That's going to stay there. Little birth. Um, <laughs> just in there. No. Um, so like you, I went to New Zealand and then um, I think I started in – where did I start? In the South Island um, – in Christchurch and then you jump on a bus with like 20 other people and then you travel throughout the country uh-huh. um, and then I finished off in Auckland but then people like begin their trip or finish their trip at different points yeah. throughout the country so I think like quite a few people started off in Christchurch and then they got off in Wellington or they just went back to wherever they came from in Wellington but then I continued on oh, okay. but I didn't go to the Bay of Islands which is the most northern part of um, the North Island. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like it was a good trip. Um, Wait, it was so a very long time. I was there for a month. Just trying Zealand. to understand the, the trip uh, details. So mm. you started from New Zealand, you said? Yeah, yeah. So I just travelled in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you said the Netherlands is where that beer Oh, uh, no, nah, I was kidding. I've actually never been to the Netherlands. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, there is yeah. a Wellington and a Christchurch yeah, I know. in Europe as well. That's a long way, yeah. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, whoa. 
So yeah. you, you say you go on a Kentucky bus tour, but you're in New Zealand. How's, yeah, how's that going to yeah. work to go to Europe? No, um, I just did New Zealand, unfortunately. The Netherlands would have been a lot more fun. Yeah. Have you ever been to Europe, though? I've never been, but yeah. I'd love to go. I know. I, yeah. I've heard it's crazy out there. In yeah. Terms, if, you, if you're into partying and if you're into, you know, just going out, having fun, mm. get a bit of drink as well, or smoke some weed in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a blast. It's legal there, isn't it? Yeah. And you can, uh, I had a German housemate, um, and she was telling me, you can literally purchase alcohol in a convenience store, like 7-Eleven. Oh, really? Like, there's a BP truck stop there. Um, yeah. If I wanted to get more beer, I could just walk there and then grab it. That sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're, if you're into partying, if you're into an all-nighter, yeah. a fender bender is what they say. Is that it? Uh, uh, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but if, you, if you're Let's into that, Europe, yeah. yeah. Europe is uh, the place to be. I'd love to be there one day. Yeah. At the moment, it probably wouldn't be. The best place to be, eh? Nah, nah. Um, but moment. hopefully in a few years we can start traveling again internationally. Yeah, 100%. And glad you brought that up. Um, and I'd like to take a minute or so to uh, sort of address uh, what's happening in Nepal as well. Yeah. And uh, to whoever is listening in Nepal right now, um, it, it's hard. Uh, there's like thousands of cases every day. Yeah. And uh, the worst part is that the, um, the infrastructure, the health services, uh, it cannot cater to the population out there. Mm. And I'm just really concerned. And someone like a Nepalese staying abroad, it's you're, you're very confused. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, the situation over there is completely different to what's going on in Australia. 100%. Like besides Victoria at the moment, like it's, you know, basically non-existent here. Yeah. When I say it, it's, you know, talking mm. about COVID. Um, we're very lucky. A hundred percent, yeah. And uh, all these restrictions that come in time and again, you think, oh, what's happening? Oh, lockdown again. Oh, yeah. shit. But then it, it really did take the country far. It's mm. one of the best organized uh, nations in terms of fighting yeah. the coronavirus. But we are lucky in the fact that, like, we're so isolated. Like, we're at the bottom of the world. Mm. And, like, we're a landlocked country, so we can... We're very good at, like... Closing our borders. <laughs> yeah. We're waterlocked, I'd say. Yeah. We're not landlocked. Oh, water. Sorry. That's what I mean. <laughs> Thanks for the chat. fact checks here. <laughs> it's going to be a, it's been a long week. It's been yeah. a long week. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Let me quickly do a recording check if uh, everything's working fine. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Everything seems to be recording. Oh, there's a ghost behind me. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but Tom, uh, thanks for doing this, man. It's No um, worries. Pleasure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I'm glad um, um, your first guest in Canberra. Am I the first guest in Canberra? You absolutely yes. are. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we've been talking about this for quite a bit. Yeah, we have. And today is finally the day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I remember the first time I uh, saw you um, near Eddie's place. Yeah. And I you're think like, you're... oh shit, that guy looks old. No. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember just saying hi, and then um, we and did have a quick chat in the evening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the evening near the kitchen, and then you did mention that you'd like to be in the podcast as well. Yeah. And, uh, and I was thinking, surely this guy will actually won't invite me to his podcast. But now, like, I'm sitting opposite a microphone. And exactly. It's really happening. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really happening. Yeah. And a simple hello could take you to so many places. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I did think that, you know, maybe, uh, I'm, not, maybe I'm not going to be in touch with this guy because it, mm. it may be just be a short uh, uh, conversation, uh, yeah. a simple hello. Yeah. But then, you know, I started to get to know you and then, you know, like our similar minds, they work well together. Yeah, definitely. And if there's one thing that I need to tell the guest to introduce you to them is uh, that uh, you you are a very 
open-minded person for sure. Oh, thanks. But you also make others feel included. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder why though. Because it, it, when you go to a party or something, mm. um, you're in a group. And yeah. if someone new joins the group, you will always make sure you introduce that person to the group. Or oh, you will thanks. always yeah. make sure you ask a question to that new person yeah. just so they can talk and feel included. Why? Yeah. Uh, I just think it's really important to make everyone feel included. Um, and probably has a bit to do with my upbringing as well. Like I remember my grandmother would always make sure everyone was included and she would always make sure everyone had something to eat. So like we'd be sitting around the dining table and then she'd have to offer food to um, everyone sitting at the table. And then I remember even like when she was a bit older, um, she's no longer with us at the moment, but she, I remember there was this Russian woman who was taking care of her. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, the Russian woman couldn't understand my grandmother. Uh-huh. And then my grandmother's hearing was bad. So like she couldn't hear what the Russian woman was saying. But she kept just consistently offering this Russian woman food. And the woman's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. She's like, no, have some. Have some dessert, have some dessert. Um, so it probably stems back to that. Mm. And like both my parents are, um, you know, they've always been quite inclusive people. And like it's it's good to make sure everyone feels included because then um, it makes everyone have a better time and feel more comfortable in that social situation. A hundred percent, yeah. Because I can tell, like, uh, I, I feel like I'm not an extrovert, neither an introvert. I'm sort yeah. of in the middle. Mm. And I, I can I can vouch for that. Uh, yeah. some, if someone makes you feel included in a group... Then you can be more extroverted. Yeah. Exactly. It's one of the most comforting situations exactly. you can be in. Yeah. yeah. And what you because said, people can make you feel like an introvert. And I think when people say, oh, I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert, like, I, think, I don't think... People don't fit into like either category. It depends on the situation and who you're mm. surrounded by. And particular people make you feel more comfortable in the situation, as we you know, just said. So Well said. There is a, uh, there is a quote that I came across this morning as well. Um, not a quote, but it was like a random Facebook picture, message, text, whatever thing. Oh, like a meme or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was a very serious one. It said, mm. it's very rude to ask someone why they're always so quiet. Because yeah. being quiet is a personal choice. Yeah. You, you don't really have to really look down on somebody just because they're quiet. Mm. And um, like you said, the, the introvertedness or extrovertedness is just a concept and it's very subjective to where you are. Yeah. And I think everyone has something to offer. So like just get in a conversation with, you know, any sort of person and then they'll have something interesting to talk about or something interesting in their life that's happened and... Mm. Um, you can compare your stories, whatever it may be about. Yeah. So, yeah, just, I don't know, spark up a conversation with someone and you never know what you might find out about them. A hundred percent. There's always someone who knows better than you do. Always. Yeah. Oh, not for me, like only 80%, 20% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. You're yeah. big on communication and that's what I, that's what I, I really like about you. Oh, thanks. It's, um, well, I'd hope so. I work in communications. Yeah, exactly. You've got, you've got to be good, right, on top of your game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people don't get it. Like communication can be in any form, uh, but I feel like the best part of any communication between, let's say, just to simplify this, mm. between two people is you're listening to the other person yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah. A lot of people don't listen. They feel like communicating yeah. means they share a story and they never stop. You go on and on yeah, and on and on and on. I know a few people like that. No, no everybody yeah. knows, honestly. Yeah. And um, that's not something you want to be. Mm. That's not someone you want to be because, you know, uh, listening to the other, other person can take you to places. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. What's your, uh, you know, sometimes I, um, when I'm in this party, um, you want to strike up a conversation with somebody, right? Yeah. It could be a potential partner. Uh, it could be a girl that you're interested in, or it could be a group of boys that uh, that are there, and you want to be friends with them. And yeah. you, you th- some people think about this um, this conversation starter. Mm. How do how do you deal with that? I, I want to know. It's like you're the communications guru. Ah, uh, like when people say. What like what are your pickup lines? Mm. All that sort of stuff. Like, hey, what's a conversation starter for me? It just has to be organic and natural. Mm. So just start chatting to a person, and then like I feel like it should just be a natural thing, and it should just flow. Mm. Um, depending on like no matter who you're speaking to, you know. I, and I suppose you can tailor um, how you speak to someone and what you're speaking about depending on the situation. So if it's a professional setting or if it's more of a social mm-hmm. setting. Um, yeah, you can definitely tell the way you speak to that person. Yeah. Do you think it comes with practice? I suppose it depends on the person really. Um, and it depends on their upbringing. And like I suppose this goes back to what I was speaking about before and like remember when I was younger we always had people over um, on the weekends and like we were just used to um, seeing new people come into the, the mix yeah. Um, whether they were like a relative or a friend of a relative or whoever it was. Mm. Um, and it's like a it's like a muscle. Like the more you speak to people about different sorts of things and the more people, new people that you're meeting, um, you just develop those conversational skills. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. For me, it just comes naturally. It's just always come a bit naturally. But it yeah. depends on the situation too because there are situations that I find myself in that are confronting and that are – um, Such as? Uh, well, I suppose for most people, like presenting to an audience is quite daunting. Mm. Um, like if you have to do a presentation or a speech. Mm. Like I don't know many people that find that an easy thing to do. Mm. Like it's it's nerve-wracking. But 100%. I suppose the more you do it and the more you feel comfortable doing it, yeah. the better you'll be at it. 100%. Yeah. I um, think... Oh, yeah, on. sorry, you continue. No, I was just saying, I think people who are good at it, um, and mm. everyone feels, uh, everybody feels a certain level of nervousness, but people yeah. who are good at presenting to a mass or doing something that involves communication but is also a bit nerve-wracking is yeah. these people channel this uh, this feeling that you get, this tingling feeling that you get, this heavy-heartedness, heavy-heartedness. that you get yeah. into um, the same feeling that you get when you're excited. And Simon Sinek said it best as well. Like, yeah, when you're about to do something exciting, you your palms are sweaty, and yeah. you're like, you know, you, you arms are heavy. You do it, and uh, you're like, you know, you want to do something. You're you're excited. You can always yeah. visual already visualize what you're doing and, in, and having yeah. fun doing it. Yeah, it's the same feeling you get when you're nervous. The only yeah. difference is you're scared instead yeah, of being excited. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, a lot of people who have this muscle of uh, of talking to people, coming up with ideas on their feet. Mm. Um, I think it's um, it, it takes a bit of practice as well. But yeah. Again, depends on who you are and what your upbringing is. Mm. Um, but uh, along with this muscle that they have, they develop these, these small methods. Yeah. Methods to the madness, I'd say. Yeah. When I was um, when I was budding or uh when i was still growing up um i went to toastmasters international and i saw a lot mm. of people um who came in um to 
to improve their communication skill or public speaking or presentation skill. Yeah. And it's incredible to see um, that people you meet on the first day who have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And they, they say it themselves as well. Like it's, um, it's crazy. And you see them grow to a certain extent and then grow from there on, just take all these initiatives, uh, give speeches that they're not comfortable with and just mm. become very natural speakers. Yeah. I think everyone has the ability to do that. And then I also think it has a bit to do with... Um, like particularly in the workplace, if you've got a manager or like someone seeing you to you, that's really empowering you to do the best job that you can do yeah. and gives you, gives you those opportunities to, um, you know, speak in front of your colleagues or they instill confidence in you to present whatever it may yeah. be on, um, then that also helps. Because I have been in situations where... Um, you know, whether it was a manager or in a social setting and then there's like someone there who um, either, I don't know, you know, sort of know, doesn't like you or, yeah, does it, yeah. or doesn't want to see you do well, then that can be quite daunting as well and that can affect your performance in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think it's always good to make people feel comfortable because then they'll feel more confident in conversing and or doing whatever... Yeah, they need to do in that situation. Yeah, there's more room for people to sort of communicate and open up. Yeah, exactly. That obviously, presents more opportunities. Yeah, and um, I've never had any. I I try and think about the times when I've been nervous in in front of a crowd and in yeah. front of or talking to a certain group of people. Yeah, and there's one thing that I always tell myself, and this is a very interesting thing because I, I feel like you're a natural in terms of. Um, talking to people or communication in general, yeah. I'm not. I was not a natural. I, yeah. I developed this uh, ability. That's yeah. for sure. Because yeah. if uh, if you look at if you vid- if I videotaped myself uh, ten years ago, I'd, yeah. I was a completely different person. Yeah. Okay. Which is and good because like that's what life's about. It's about developing hmm. and becoming more confident as you yeah, go along. Hundred percent. And I think the only reason why I sort of. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm in no way I'm uh, certifying my, myself You're as an expert. pretty close to you, Sahil. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but the only way that I've improved on my lim- uh, limitations is yeah. whenever there's an opportunity uh, yeah. that has me raise my hand or go yeah. and talk to somebody or mm. ask a question, uh, I've always done it, yeah. I- I'd like to think. Because um, if I don't, then I will always tell myself, Remember, yeah. Sahil, that day on the 10th of May in 2016, you didn't ask that question when you really wanted to? Yeah. I will always think about that. And um, I don't want to be that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have that thought in my head that I didn't do something that I really wanted to do. I yeah. could have done easily. Um, and I think that, that that's helped. Yeah, I think it's good to push yourself to um, put yourself in uncomfortable situations yeah. or situations that are uncomfortable, but, you know, you can grow from. Yeah. Um, cause then how will you know? And like most of the time, like it's human nature to think, oh, uh, you know, if I put myself in this situation, this, this is the worst case scenario. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. But like most of the time that doesn't happen. So like, um, you're sort of your own worst enemy and you're the best at psyching yourself out of a situation. Yeah. So you just think like, you just have to push those negative thoughts to the side and think, okay, I'm going to 
tackle this situation. If something goes wrong, that's okay. It's a learning opportunity. Um, and if something does go wrong, at least I'll grow from that and I'll know what to do next time. Yeah. So always embrace whatever comes in. Yeah, as exactly. As an opportunity. And yeah. if, it, like, if it's going to be something that's positive for you and it's going to help you grow in some sort of way, then I think you may as well jump right in, jump head first in. Yeah. As long as it's not a shallow pool. Because <laughs> that could be a bit Even um, if it's a shallow pool, jump in. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Especially uh, for me because I'm injury prone. So, yeah, yeah I've got to be careful. <laughs> you dislocate your shoulders quite often, eh? Yeah, don't chase me. Uh, I would. <laughs> uh, shout out to Eddie uh, about the dislocation. Not another shout out. <laughs> Come on. He's already had one. At, at least three. Let's give it a Okay, yeah. that's his second Let's shout out. Yeah. But what does he have to do with the shoulder dislocation? I don't know. That it's was just, all me, Tom Diggy Dog. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, go on. Yeah. Are we recording? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So um, you're thinking about a career in YouTube? Yeah. Because I'll get thousands, if not millions of followers. <laughs> nah. Um, nah, well, because mainly my younger sister Josie and I, we listen to um, Mr. Nightmare and it's like ghost stories. Uh-huh. And I was thinking I'd have the perfect voice for it. Yeah, you, you would. I've got a deep and scary voice. Yeah, and I forgot to mention this to the listeners as well. Uh, yeah. This, <laughs> Tom's voice is not edited. This is his natural voice. It's not edited. Uh, that's that's crazy, right? And I was born with a voice this deep too. <laughs> uh, I think you should make use of that. Yeah, okay, because it, yeah, I like it. I think it's, um, I'm just interested in ghost stories too. I love a good scary story. Yeah. And I always have since I was a kid. Our dad would always tell us scary stories before we'd go to sleep. Uh-huh. And then mum would be like, Greg, you have to read them a book. And I'd be like, no, I'll just tell them a scary story. Yeah, But that's what we definitely prefer. We Even prefer that squeaky story. voice that you just did. Yeah, <laughs> it's scary. It's, it's deep enough, yeah. Yeah. See, uh, I can't do a high-pitched voice. My voice is just too deep. Give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds nah. like a dying cat or something exactly yeah yeah does not sound good (laughs) but i think uh having a deep voice you could really make use of this like do voice acting and stuff i have done a voiceover before oh i love that story i did a voiceover for the um ict government's justice reinvestment program so this woman rang me out of the blue and she said she's like i found the voice so like i was like oh hi tom speaking she's like i found my voice i've been looking for two years for this voice (laughs) and i was thinking who the hell is this woman? And then she said, oh, she's like, Tom, I've been searching for a voiceover person um, for my justice reinvestment program video for two years. And I think I've finally found the right voice. And then she said, oh, you came to me involved. And I said, nah, see ya. And then I hung up. And then, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did. Of course you did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'll crush your dreams. No, nah, I didn't. No, nah, I just said, yeah, of course. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then I was the voiceover. Nice. Yeah. It, it's fun being one. I've never done it. It is, yeah. Yeah. I've never no, it's done actually it harder than you think. It is. And you've got to have a lot of control on your voice. Oh, you do. Like, the, yeah. like small pictures. And if you're working with a professional, it's even harder. Because yeah. Thankfully, w- I wasn't working with a professional. <laughs> so you just spoke whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I had lines to say. Yeah. Um, but then I had to, I remember even at one stage, I was in the corner of the room. So we ha- could get the acoustics right. And then I was just like being recorded, but I was like in the corner. Mm. I had to sit in the corner for 30 minutes. What for? Or just so the recording sounded good. Oh. Yeah. 
It's bringing back negative flashbacks of when I was a kid and I had to sit in the naughty corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've never done it professionally, but I'd love to do one. Uh, I've done mm. like small projects for small movies that I made or college programs. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's always been fun. It's been mm. fun because I didn't really have to do it professionally, um, like do it all over and uh, again and again and again. Yeah. If I had to do that, probably, nah, it wouldn't be fun. It's like, it's good to have the experience, but yeah. like, I don't know if I'd want to do it full time. Yeah. Uh, so just before the interruption, uh, just before the interruption, our microphones got cut off. So it's a good idea to sort of check the yeah. uh, uh, check what's happening behind yeah. there. And you we were having the crispness of this chip. Yeah, you're hungry, aren't you? Well, we'll have good dinner after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were talking, we were having a good chat about uh, communication and why that's important and why some people um, do it better than others and yeah. why some people are natural. And w- w- which is, uh, and it's good to have a very refreshing thought from your end because, yeah. um, like I said, um, I developed this ability and I feel like you grew up with it. And which, and you've been, mentioned this quite a few times as well, which has something yeah. to do with um, your. Uh, upbringing as well uh, mm. as a child and uh, which is something i firmly believe in as well yeah because 95 percent of who i am today and how i think is mm. because of Your my childhood opinion. yeah yeah i definitely agree mm. and a lot of people who uh, um, choose a path that uh, hasn't been the best for them uh, it's it's unfortunate but uh, yeah. their childhood hasn't been um you know it's uh, it's it's really unfortunate but um it hasn't been the best. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say for me, like my t- two or three biggest role, mo- role models mm-hmm. um, have been my parents and my auntie, um, my auntie Sue. And then she'll probably want to listen to this now that I've given her a shout out. <laughs> um, and she'd be happy that I'd said, just said that. No, but it's good to really have, um, oh, my grandmother too. Like my grandmother, um, Mona, when did she pass away like not uh, a couple of years ago um but they're all really positive people and um they're definitely people that i look up to and i suppose like they're role models really um you know because they're inclusive of everyone and they're just positive minded um and you know, they establish a set of goals for themselves and they try and meet those goals and encourage um, others to do the same, yeah. particularly their kids. It's very refreshing to be around those people. Yeah. It's very nice to be around people who um, appreciate your presence. Yeah, definitely. And I've always been a big advocate of that. Uh, and if I, if I go to a new... Um, if I go and introduce myself to a new group or if I go to a party and I feel like the people aren't really appreciative of you being there, yeah. uh, that's an instant turn off for me. Yeah, exactly. Because I like every time I've hosted a party, I just always think I'm very appreciative that all these people have shown up. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm going to make sure that they have a good time because, um, you know, it was nice of them just to be there, mm. you know, because it reflects positively on you too. Like if you host a party and you've got a lot of people there who are like uh, having a good time, then that demonstrates that you're a good host and you're a good friend to have. So Yeah, it's just creating memories. Yeah, exactly. Right? And you want everyone to have a good time. 100%, yeah. yeah. And there, there's no use or there's absolutely no benefit of being a dickhead. Yeah. And some people just like to be one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Right? Yeah. And there's absolutely no use of being that. 
Yeah. Exactly. Life's too short to be a dickhead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, you're right. It doesn't make you feel better, really. Yeah. Um, but I guess for some people it does. Just to understand the science behind why people become who they are, um, yeah. as in I become a dickhead. What, <laughs> let's let's uh, so let's unravel that. Yeah, yeah. Well, why why, why do you think people become uh, people like uh, being a dickhead? Well, I think it's really um, uh, it really comes down to the context too. And then, like, I also think sometimes people don't mean to act in a certain way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's to do with upbringing, circumstance. Um, someone might be feeling uncomfortable in this situation, so might put someone else down. But I think it really comes down to that individual and their self-esteem. If they have a low self-esteem, they want to bring other people down to their level to make themselves feel better. Um, whereas if you're confident in yourself then you don't need to do that. No. Because, like, what's the point? What's the objective? Exactly. Now, I agree with the self-esteem uh, uh, point of view of yours um, that yeah. if you're yeah, if you're, if you're that kind of person, you want to bring someone else or the group to the same level that you are mm. because it makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. And, and if you're a dickhead, if you can't bring someone... <laughs> yeah, if you can't... I've the, the most common word we've used in this podcast has been dickhead. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great word. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you if you want to be uh, if you want to bring that social setting to your level, then you want to be a dickhead. And I think yeah. that, <laughs> that what is it the fifteenth time? Uh, probably only eight. So yeah, we've got seven times to go. No, yeah, <laughs> uh, Tom, why do you run? Um, well, I didn't. I haven't been a runner all my life. Interestingly, uh-huh. um, but I remember when. I was, I would have been in like, yeah, late primary school. Um, and then I was a big unit. I was a chunky kid, chunky monkey. Mm-hmm. And then um, my parents were just like, oh, you need to be involved in some sort of physical activity more than you're currently doing. Because I didn't like, I was, yeah, I didn't do that much exercise. And I think exercise is important because that's for me, that's linked to quite closely to being confident in yourself too yeah um as they say like healthy body equals a healthy mind um but like it's really dependent on the person too but like yeah they saw that you know if i were to be involved in exercise a bit more it would just bring me out of my shell a bit yeah um which was true so then i'd go to swimming every single afternoon and then my dad would pick me up and take me to athletics and then i remember when i first this is a very long story to answer your question, but when I first um, <laughs> when I first started doing athletics, I was like the most unfit person on the track. But then I kept going. Like I went every single day, not every single day, but like most of the days of the week. And then my parents just kept encouraging me to go and um, just get fitter. And then I think it was like, yeah, 12 months later, I was a lot fitter and I'd lost a lot of weight and I was really yeah. confident in myself and my ability to do whatever I set my mind to. Uh, mm. But I suppose like still at that age, like as a teenager, you still have a bit of confidence to develop. But yeah, like ever since then, I've just found it. I've, I've found running to be a, um, an avenue that, you know, when you run, you can relax and it clears your mind out. Like after you've had a long day, I find nothing better than just going for a run and outside and enjoying nature and, um, I don't know, just forgetting any any of the stresses that you've experienced throughout the day. Yeah. 
has it has it become some sort of um necessity that you've got yeah. to run yeah yeah like i feel uncomfortable some days if i haven't gone for a run mm. or done some sort of exercise so yeah. and i'll just like pop my earphones in listen to a podcast or listen to some music yeah and i've never felt bad after coming back from a run the only time actually no i have twice because I remember once I, broke, I broke my very, toe and then fell over and nearly that's very bloody specific. broke my arm. So I didn't feel great after that run. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think another time I fell over. But yeah, as you know, Sahil, I'm accident prone, so I'm always falling 100%, over. yeah. <laughs> but if I don't fall over, I always feel better afterwards. Yeah. The, the reason why I asked, asked that question very blandly is because yeah. um, I, I see these people who run. Yeah. Um, so there's this guy on YouTube, a content creator, Van Neistat. I'm not sure if you know Casey Neistat. Mm. Van is his brother. So okay. Casey was this massive vlog producer from New York City, um, mm-hmm. and Van is his brother. And they've worked together in the past. Anyways, Van is a runner as well, and he made this short film about why he runs. Um, and I've watched that, and I've watched other videos as well of people who've made movies about why they run. Yeah, And... Um, they explain it in such a way that it is hard to explain. It's like you can't explain, you can't really put them into proper words mm. to tell me or anyone exactly why you run because it's sort of like a drug. It's like you know, you've yeah. got to run. If you don't, you feel bad about yeah. your body, about yourself. Well, it's because you get that endorphin release like, yeah. when you're exercising. It doesn't just necessarily have to be running. It can be any sort of exercise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having that endorphin release is like a natural high Mm. um it's good yeah like it's good for your body yeah it's good for your mental health too how how do you think it has helped you um as a runner in Mm. in terms of mental health oh yeah really positive like um yeah you always feel great like when you're running or Mm. afterwards and it like helps you as i said before clear your mind Mm. so if there's something that's like um, you're finding quite stressful at the time. Yeah. I always find it's good to, like, not even, you don't even have to get outside and exercise, but as, like, getting outside in the fresh air or doing some sort of mm. activity to increase your heart rate. Yeah. It's going to make you feel better. Um, and then sometimes I'll go for a run and then have a bit of a break and think, okay, how am I going to tackle this situation? Because it does clear your mind a bit um, and it makes you a bit more level-headed, so... Yeah. You can sort of work through difficult situations. I've tried running. I've tried uh, quite a few times. Uh, yeah. I even purchased uh, like runners, yeah. uh, like good runners for Nike. Um, yeah. And I purchased uh, track pants and I tried to do it, but it just didn't really fit well with me. Yeah. Okay. It's like, you know, I, I started. It doesn't hurting. suit everyone really. You agree? Well, like when I first started running, I did not like it, but mm. then I, I did it a lot mm. and then I became a better runner and now I love it because yeah. I just did it a lot. You, and then my body yeah. got used to it, used to the feeling. And then it was like, okay, you know, I like that feeling of um, being pushed. And Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. Just running for a long time. I, I think it's it's uh, there's something in the way your body is built as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, like oh, my body's not like a great build for a runner. Maybe your knees are good. Yeah. Well, I used to, I used to be a race walker too. Mm. Did you know that? No, I never. Oh, that's that. an Olympic sports hill. Yeah. So when you say former national medalist, what what did you do? No, I stopped believing you. No, I'm serious. I'll send you the video on YouTube. Really? YouTube, yeah. 
I actually saw a race walker this morning on my way to work on the bus. But no, I was, yeah. So I remember um, when I first started doing athletics, I was doing the sprinting. Uh-huh. And then um, uh, I remember I saw this good-looking last Dimmy. Mm-hmm. And then if you're listening to this Dimmy, <laughs> I've still got a place in my heart for you. My um, address is 11 slash... No, I'm just kidding. No, um, <laughs> no but I remember seeing Dimmy. She was race walking around the track. And then yeah. I said to Tony, who was the, my coach, I said, oh, can I try that out? And then he looked at me. He's like, oh, I don't think you're going to be any good, Tom. Yeah. And then um, it's like, hey, you can have a go. And then I remember... So I started training with Dimmy and um, Dimmy's dad, Tony. Uh-huh. So two Tonys. And then um, I was, yeah, like hopeless at it i wasn't very good yeah. at all. and she would just smash me and then um i was like oh well you know i'll, I'll keep doing it because yeah. it's like uh i wasn't great at anything else like i definitely wasn't a um an amazing sprinter so i kept doing it and then it, like a year later i caught up to dimmy mm. so i was like yeah you can set your mind to it you can achieve it yeah 100 percent. there is something to do with your physical uh built as well that's for yeah. sure. Because some people are good in, obviously, to put it simply, some people are good in certain sports. And if yeah. they were to play the same, oh, sorry, if the same people were to play another sport, they would not be as good. Yeah, well, I'm very fortunate that I'm like shaped like an Adonis. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, an, what's an Adonis? Uh, it's like, um, do you know that Greek statue? Uh, that white, that, that Greek, that muscly guy? No, I don't. Oh, you don't? Oh, well. Uh, well, how, let's have a look. It's just like a really um, fit person, basically. But okay. I'm not. I'm uh, not. How do you spell it? A-D-O-N-I-S. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So when you see that statue, you think, oh, yeah, that looks like Tom. <laughs> that's exactly what I think. <laughs> when I see Hercules as well, yeah. that's exactly what I think. That yeah, looks exactly. like Tom. Yeah, just yeah. without the long hair. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd love to go get into running, man. Uh, I'll that's for sure. Yeah, I used to play futsal, which is a mini oh, version yeah. of football. Yeah, yeah. And I've lost, I lost so much weight. Yeah, that's for sure. And yeah. that's when I realized sports or running is the best way to lose weight. Yeah, definitely. that's for sure. You're yeah. using your entire body. Yeah, and you're using your lungs so much. If you've ever been a smoker, you've, yeah, you've sort of cleansed yeah. it. Yeah, because I was a smoker for five years, mm. and then. Um, yeah, it doesn't like it's hard to exercise when you smoke. And I'm even, just kidding. I wasn't a smoker. <laughs> it's so hard to believe you, man. <laughs> it's becoming hard to believe yeah, you. <laughs> everything you say. I'm like the boy that cried wolf. Yeah, exactly. You can only, you can't believe they made the story that. behind you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, uh, maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons why because you've got massive lungs as well. Yeah. Like for example, Sherpas who climb the mountains. Yeah. Um, if you've, um, have you seen the documentary Sherpa? I haven't, but I know they have abnormally large lungs. Well, it's not abnormal for them because that's it's just not the abnormal. Yeah, but it's just, that they've yeah. become you know accustomed to. They're sort of naturally or biologically um, able to climb the Mount Everest better than yeah. we can because uh, that's what they do. Yeah, that's where they grew up as well, and yeah. that, that has something to do with people playing certain sports. And yeah. um, if you if if you've got to run, you've got to have good lungs. That's as simple as that. Obviously, yeah. there's practice as well. It's not really an excuse towards not doing it and not practicing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, natural ability to play a certain sport. But I remember when I first started running, like it was really hard to catch my breath. Mm. And then I remember thinking, I was like, oh, this is going to be... Because the guys I was training with, they were super fit. Yeah. Well, guys and girls, I should say. Um, and they would like... They'd finish a 
four kilometer sprint and then they wouldn't even be puffed. And I was thinking, how how can how can they do that? Yeah, because I'd be like. <laughs> When I was running. Um, but then over time, your body gets used to it and your lungs get used to it. Yeah. And you become fitter. Mm. I was speaking to a friend. It's episode number 16 with David. He's a, he's yeah. a bodybuilder as well. And obviously, oh, yeah. he's, he's not professionally a bodybuilder, bodybuilder, but he's yeah. gone into competitions as well. Yeah. And he was saying, um, he gave a really good tip when I was uh, at the gym as well. I, I still am. Yeah. But he said, never underestimate your body. Always think that you can always take more than what you're currently doing. Oh, do you reckon? I think so, yeah. I reckon if you can, like, if you can't lift too much, you can injure yourself. You can, yeah, 100%. But you've got to be methodical in that as well. Yeah, exactly. You have to be smart about yeah. it. Yeah. If you're lifting, like, 15 kilos today, you, you can definitely lift 16 tomorrow. Oh, 15 is too heavy for me. <laughs> no, it's <Okay>. not. <laughs> uh, but if you're going from 15 to 74, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. That's 100% stupid. You'll yeah. destroy yourself. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, th- that's uh, that's a, that's an amazing um, thing you've got there of running. Oh, uh, just the fact that, you know, you're running, um, especially after you finish your tubs and big bowls of ice cream. Yeah, I you run to I really need to shed that cut off. down on the um, tubs of ice cream to heal. I had <laughs> half a tub of, half a two-liter tub of chocolate mint ice cream last night, but hashtag no regrets. Chocolate mint. Who chocolate has? Mint. It's my favorite flavor. Mint. Yeah, and mint, don't you love mint? Mint is the worst for chocolates and ice creams. I love it. Mint you can't get better than that. Mint does not make sense in the chocolate and ice cream world. Why not? You got to try it's it. It's like toothpaste. Yeah, but I love eating toothpaste too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no, but it's I don't know. I like the freshness. I like the combination of flavors. Yeah, how's uh, working from home? Um, impacted your um your your health or your regime oh because as far as i good. sorry to interrupt you yeah. but as far as i know you you, you yeah. prefer to work from the office obviously yeah, the communications yeah. guy yeah. likes talking to people annoying yeah. them um but how's that sort of um changed the way you live um well yeah like prior to february slash march 2020 oh, it would have been march actually um i didn't work from home at all so, like, if you were going to be working, you'd just be in the office and you wouldn't take your work home. Whereas now, you know, still for a lot of public servants, particularly in the organisation I'm with, the ST government, most people work or spend most of their working week at home and then only a handful of days in the office. Um, and then going back to your question about has it been great for your health? No, not really. Because mm. I always, I go to the fridge at least every every two hours which isn't great yeah <laughs> uh 100 um and, and do you just have, tempted by all the uh food options in the yeah food. and you have your table there and you just want to put something on the side and yeah. just nibble while you work yeah exactly because then i'll get great. bored i'll be like i feel like i should be working and eating yeah <laughs> uh-huh. see um, I, I don't i don't believe the world is perfect but what i do believe in especially yeah. in this country we're in australia yeah the workspace that we have, the office space that we have, yeah. uh, to a certain extent, it is ergonomic. As in, when you're there, um, they have chairs and tables yeah. and the lighting, everything organized so yeah, exactly. they don't have to pay insurance for you. Yeah, if you get insurance, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's not going to be the same at home. No, definitely not. It's not going to be the same. Like you're sort of slouching and you're walking to the fridge and you're like yeah. eating something. And living in Canberra, it's bloody cold yeah. at home. Like. Yeah. I know. Up until moving into my new place, I've stayed in a few 
freezing places and like yeah they're not pleasant to work from yeah when the temperatures the temperature inside the house is the same temperature as outside it's it's bloody it's freezing bad yeah yeah sometimes i wake up uh, feeling sick because of the cold <laughs> i don't know why yeah. i just feel sick the entire yeah. day well it's and uncomfortable for your body no um it's always good to have hot food or warm food um yeah. instead of cold ones yeah i can't think of any food that is healthy or cold Oh, uh, ice cream. <laughs> Very healthy. <laughs> now, nah, what about? Oh, uh, I'm trying to think. What's healthy, Carl? Oh, you like uh, refrigerated juices? Yeah, mm. I like. But I like. It... I do like cold snacks or foods and beverages when it's warm. Yeah. Maybe ice is healthy. <laughs> ice well, it depends is... which ice you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, but where do you where do you think this is headed? As in the the, uh, the discussion that there is around the world regarding work from home or yeah. work from office. Well, um, I think Google um, they announced last year that most of their staff would either I think they'd be working from home full time. I don't know if I got that one hundred percent right, but I know they did say they're going to allow their workforce to work a lot more flexibly that they than they had in the past. Mm. And I think, yeah, that, that will be the same for most organizations. So working from home is going to be... Um, yeah, if you're not client-facing, so say if like you have a desk job, then I think there will definitely be the opportunity for you to work from home on particular days. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, socially more accepted now. Mm. On a personal level, I I think that working from home is going to be amazing. Um, yeah. If you have a desktop job, like you said, uh, having to save on that commute time and commute fee um, is amazing. Mm. But looking at it from um, an economic point of view, there's all those buildings in Sydney CBD or Melbourne yeah. CBD, which yeah. is essentially empty right now. Yeah, and then um, those businesses aren't getting any business. Yeah, like I was working, um, like the training. Ooh, that w- there's a spider on me. Sorry. <laughs> are you going to scream again? Are you that pop- was actually a spider on my jumper. <laughs> are you going to pop your shoulders? <laughs> I nearly did. Uh, uh, so I was That's saying- the highlight that needs to be at the start. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pretty sneak preview. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, I'll okay. Uh, I was saying, what was I saying? <laughs> no, I think you were talking about um, like the city economies, of yeah. like Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, so they're yeah. basically empty. And the business I'm working with as well, uh, we had a training on Friday and we had to go to Sydney for that yeah. training. The office was massive. It was like the 22nd floor on a big building, an iconic building. Yeah. But it was empty. Like yeah. there, was, there were five people in the building. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, on the floor. Whereas the occupancy or the capacity is like, what, 90? Yeah, so yeah. all these people are working from home. So these people working from home aren't really using the transport to come to work. Yeah. And the businesses are paying rent for a, for a flat or a floor, which is basically empty. Yeah. And um, I wonder how this is going to be managed. Because people are smart. People who make money are smart. Yeah. And uh, I wonder how this is going to be tackled. Well, they'll probably transition to like activity-based working environments. Mm -hmm. So that's like what we have currently. Um, So there's like the buildings only have enough desk for 80% of the workforce. So that's just like based on the assumption that there won't be 100% of your staff in the building at any one time. So this is prior to COVID um, existing in Australia. So 
like the building that I'm in currently, yeah, like they just assume, oh, you know, there'll be people working part-time or someone will be sick, someone will be on leave. So not everyone's going to be in the office any any one time. Yeah. So there are less desks than there are people. Hmm. Um, so that's cheap. That's like that lowers the costs for the organization. Yeah. So there's well. going to be a rotation yeah. of people coming in and going out. Yeah. And less space, but more people, basically. Well, yeah, but like people will have the opportunity to work from home. Yeah. So like they might have like a roster system. Yeah. So they're like, I don't know, you'll have three days in the office and the other two days you'll be working from home. So then it's cheaper for the organization because then they don't have to rent the same amount of space and desks yeah. and equipment. Oh, well, you'll probably still need like a monitor at your place. Mm. But yeah. And I think it's like, as I said before, more acceptable now. So yeah, that's the direction 100%. organizations are heading in. I was speaking to a friend uh, who lives in Newcastle and he has said ever since COVID, um, the house prices in Newcastle has gone yeah. up because yeah. people, have, uh, people who um, work desk jobs have now realized that they can work from home. Yeah. And even if they purchase a house in Newcastle, which is two and a half hours away from Sydney um, yeah. on drive, uh, they can still work for an organization based in Sydney CBD. Yeah. And if they have to come to the office like once or twice a week, yeah. they can drive four hours. Yeah, that's exactly. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, that's uh, that's that's going to be the norm. But I'm really excited to see how that's going to be organized or that's going to be managed. But what you said about activity-based scheduling, right? Uh, activity-based working. Activity-based working. That's That that could be, yeah, that, that's one of the approaches that they may take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was something that... Um, a lot of public service organizations, oh, not even public service, like private sector organizations were looking into mm. like a couple of years ago. And it's just like ever since I've started working in an office job, I've worked more in an ABW environment, um, you know, compared to having my own desk. Yeah. What's an ABW? Oh, sorry. I just, um, it's activity-based work, just the acronym oh, okay. for it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's not, it hasn't been common a common thing for me to have my own desk. Yeah, which I think is good because, like, um, I feel like those type of working environments are more collaborative. Because mm. then you could sit next to someone who's not necessarily in your team. They might be in another division. Yeah. Um, so in a way, it can sort of break down those silos and those barriers. Um, some organisations experience when they're like different agencies within the same organization are communicating with each other mm. whereas if you're in that environment you might hear a conversation that another, another division is having about something that you're working on and you can say oh you know i worked on that yeah six months ago this is what i learned from it or this is you know these are the resources that i've got like, you know mm. that might be helpful for you for you to have so is more good coming from it than bad yeah i'd say so but other people would have different opinions on it mm like people who aren't used to those working environments. Yeah. Um, I worked from home for quite a bit when I was in Sydney and um, I couldn't work from home because I couldn't be in the same room where I was working. Sleeping, yeah, yeah. Um, And um, I was like, I was speaking to customers and clients in the same room that I call home. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't live with that idea. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, for me it was more of a psychological matter because I could move around, I had less responsibilities like having a home in Newcastle. So yeah. I, I prefer working from the office. Yeah. And I feel like offices are designed to be worked in and yeah. homes are designed to be lived on, lived yeah. in. 
Um, but for me, yeah, that was that. Yeah. Well, yeah, the lines are blurred yeah. between those two worlds a lot more, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, I see your phone ringing. Do you want to check it? Just in case it's important. Uh, let me have a Oh. Oh, it's just Bill. She was just saying um, the concert's starting. Oh, shit. Sure. Okay. Um, we'll probably wrap up now as well. Yeah, we can do like an outro. <laughs> uh, anyways, so... Uh, a couple of things. It's it's been an incredible pleasure because it's my first oh, my episode pleasure. in Canberra. Yeah, um, and uh, it's 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 taken what three or four months to start off because obviously moving cities is is an, it's it's not fun. Yeah, and um, it's harder than it looks. Yeah, um, but this has been fun, and thanks for doing this. Tom. No worries, uh, pleasure. Definitely not the last one with you. Yeah. Or we should bring Eddie into the next one. <laughs> so that this is Eddie's third, third mention. Out. Yeah, you got you again, Eddie. Lucky you, uh, Eddie. Um, if you're listening, which I know you will listen. <laughs> yeah, um, he'll be the first person to listen. He, yeah, I think he would be. Yeah, he'd be very eager for this. Yeah, of course. DG's speaking. Oh, yeah, it's a hill. We probably didn't roast Tom as much as we planned. You Eddie. can roast me next time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for whoever's listening until um, now, thank you for that. And Eddie yeah. is uh, my first Airbnb host when I first moved to Canberra. Amazing yeah. guy. Love yeah. him. Um, and Tom's initially Eddie's friend, now my friend as well. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, Tom. Oh, one thing I want to add, any listeners out there, make sure you follow the ACT government on all our social media platforms. <laughs> yeah, do, do that. That was yeah. a bit of a shameless promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's on his way to the the DG position. <laughs> you, you, you've got to start. Exactly. You've got to start early. I started from the bottom, now I'm here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tom, where are we headed? What What is this concert? Um, it's Tom Diggity Dow's concert. <laughs> I become a, an amateur rapper, Sahil. Mm-hmm. Well, what is this Here we concert? Go. One, two, three, two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, what's this concert we're going to? Um, so, it's an Aussie icon. Mm-hmm. You, you have to guess. I'll, I'll give you some tips and you have to guess. An Aussie icon, um, she's had multiple number one hits. I'm not not only know. in Australia, but overseas too. I'm not going to know. That's for sure. Um, she. God, I don't even know anything else about her. Her <laughs> name starts with a T. The Tina. Tina Turner. Tina Turner. <laughs> there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. That was Tom yeah. Reginald Doyle. Yeah. What a heavy name. It's a great name. <laughs> it's a great name for a future prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, take care, and yeah. stay safe. See you guys. <laughs> thanks, hey, man. Thanks for that. That was good.